Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we started recording episodes virtually instead of being in the same room together. This created technical issues for us for many weeks. Our sound issues get better beginning with the pros and cons episode. In the meantime, we appreciate your patience with the sound issues that are present in this episode. Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello, says Kate. We are with one another in spirit still, not physically yet, but (laughs) this is better than nothing. And I don't know, I think we're maybe adjusting to our new setup after a few episodes of recording like this. Well, don't you feel bad? Apparently, Michelle has to adjust my volume on the fly a lot. You know, this is the technical part of life. <laughs> Things happen. Anyways. Michelle, what are we talking about today? Ooh, what are we talking about? Well, we pretty strongly alluded to it in the last episode, which was, check the facts, we recorded, um, when we recorded that, we talked about this skill called opposite action. And it is a beautiful follow-up to check the facts. I don't know. It's like check the facts cousin or sibling or some relation. They got on each other. I they would say with some regularity. Do yes, because you can't do this skill of opposite action without first checking the facts, which will become clear as we go through what we're going to talk about today. So that's the name of the skill is opposite action. And before we really explain to you how to do it. We're going to be talking about some other things first, such as when to do it or not do it, and what it is not, (laughs) and what it is, before we get to the nitty-gritty of how you actually do this skill. So, yeah, we've got a lot to cover today with what's going to go on (laughs) with this opposite action stuff. Surprise ourselves with how long we talk, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long we go for today. Who knows? <laughs> it's a mystery. Yep. Um, sorry, and I think I don't know. I feel like both of us are tripping over our tongues a, lot. a little bit. I don't know. It's Monday know, when we're recording this. To everyone, like I don't know. I this whole pandemic nonsense. I feel at least half a bubble off from like all the time. So. Yeah, a little bit brainless with everybody. <laughs> yep, it's okay. We'll, we can get through this. We can. <laughs> and we are. Yes. Go through the check the facts process. Um, 
that we had the whole episode about it, so I won't go too in-depth. The sort of brief version of Check the Facts is, all right, what do I actually know, right? What are the super solid objective facts about this situation? So take a moment and and do check the facts, depending on how much time or, you know, handouts you have available to yourself in the moment, either the really long version uh, or just kind of an internalized sense of the process. If you've done check the facts a few times, you can do a decent job of internalizing it a bit. Uh, and then when we want to do opted action is when the check the facts shows us one of two things. Either our emotion doesn't fit the facts, right? So we've done this assessment, we've looked at the situation, we've checked all the facts and we've gone, yeah, okay, so maybe my emotion is either um, just incongruent with the facts overall, uh, or it's just too intense, right? The, the level of intensity where I'm feeling the emotion uh, doesn't fit the facts. So that would be one place where you would want to utilize opposite action. Uh, the other situation where you might want to use opposite action is, you know, you check the facts and it turns out hmm, your emotion and maybe even its intensity do fit the facts of the situation. They are commensurate. They are appropriate. They are thumbs up correct. However, <laughs> acting on that emotion would not be effective. Yep. Um, maybe acting on it would cause like some like real tangible problem. I don't know, uh, losing your job, hurting a relationship, uh, getting arrested, class, getting arrested, hey, <laughs> <laughs> like costing you money because you broke that thing. I don't know, right? Like, so there's, there's either costs or it's just inappropriate to the situation and maybe you need to delay acting on it to later or whatever, right? So whatever the reason, you know, you can give yourself a double thumbs up for validating your emotional experience and yet acting on it, hmm, not gonna, not gonna serve you, right? Yep. Ineffective and or harmful. I think we said it in the Check the Facts episode that, like, just because your emotions fit the facts, it's not a free pass to do whatever you want. And that's exactly what you're talking about right now is, like, if what you want to do, you know, really, it's probably not not best to go there. You want to use this skill to help you out. Yeah, I, I don't care how, I don't know, horribly obnoxious the sales clerk was, smashing the display case is, see, place, can't talk. It's not, ooh, not okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so those, uh, hopefully that's a decent, I don't know, short-ish summary of, of when to use opposite action. Either your emotions just don't fit, right, either in what they are or their intensity, or they fit in what they are and their intensity, but acting on them is gonna cause trouble. That seemed like a good summary to you, Michelle. Yeah, I feel like that works out perfectly. Um, because, yeah, hearkening back to our Check the Facts episode, if your emotions and their intensity fit the facts and acting on them is coming from, like, this wise mind place or it's not going to have this horrible ripple effect <laughs> down the line with what you want to do, then there isn't really a need for this opposite action skill. But exactly how you laid it out, Kate, with those two basically different paths of like they don't fit or they fit but don't do the thing that's when we want to use this skill so yeah i think you summarized it pretty nicely so i'm going to talk a little bit about what opposite action is but as soon as i talk about what it is i'm going to basically immediately follow that up by what it is not because when we teach this skill in our groups we get a lot of questions about this skill because it can be easily misinterpreted 
and used incorrectly. Um, so that I think is sort of self-harming, not literally physically, but uh, yeah, yeah. it's self-invalidating. Yes. If misused. Exactly. Taking your part. No, that's perfect. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. It is self-invalidating when it's used incorrectly. It does not serve the purpose of it at all because the purpose of using this skill is to, as Kate explained pretty nicely, when we want to act on our emotions, but acting on them really doesn't serve us, then what are we to do? (laughs) And that's really when we want to bring in the skill of opposite action because opposite action is picking an opposite response (laughs) to what our urge is. It's choosing the opposite thing. So, course, opposite course. Yeah, yeah, that could be a way to put it. So, there are going to be these times and situations, and Kate's going to give some examples in a little bit, but there's going to be these times in our lives where we can't just act on the emotion how we would want to, either because of the setting that we're in, or <laughs> again, because it could have some long term consequences that we don't want. Mm-hmm. We can't just let well, our. Oh, go for it. Yeah. I was going to say, sometimes, and I don't feel like I mentioned this much, but, um, I don't know, acting opposite can also help us shift our emotion. Yes. Right? It's harder to stay in an emotional state when all all, all of our behaviors, Jesus Christ, the talking, um, <laughs> when all of our behaviors are opposite of that, right? If that helps shift us out of that emotional state that, like, checking the facts, perhaps we've determined is not commensurate with what is happening. Exactly. Yeah. Opposite action can very much do that. It's really meant to be used as a way where we validate the emotion and then we choose an action that serves us better than maybe what that emotion is wanting us to do. Now, sometimes what people think this skill is, as we go through explaining it more and more throughout this episode, people sometimes think that opposite action is intended to be used as, I don't know, pasting on a happy face when that's not really what you're feeling or telling your emotions to go away. You can't be here right now. (laughs) I'm supposed to be acting like this or I'm supposed to be doing this other thing. And a lot of people do, unfortunately, get messages in childhood around stuff like that where anytime that you are having an emotional expression your parents your teachers whoever it was maybe even your friends your peers basically told you that you should not be expressing the emotion the way you're expressing it you know you're not supposed to cry you're not supposed to feel or express anger you're not supposed to feel anything other than joy at all times (laughs) basically Yeah, gross. Um, (laughs) And that when you're expressing your emotions, somehow you're doing something wrong. So you're supposed to stifle them and express them differently. And so sometimes when we teach the skill of opposite action, people think that's what we're saying of, wait, you're telling me to not express my emotions. And the answer is no. (laughs) We want it to be that you can and you do express your emotions but we want it to be that doing so does not get you down a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down and that you're able to 
express them in a way that I don't know Kate you can tell me what you think of this phrasing but like helps you feel in the driver's seat of your emotions rather than your emotions driving you and they just come out whenever and you have no way to stop them even if you wanted to opposite action is your way to kind of put the pause button on for just a little while and then you can come back and express later on when it may be a better time or place to do so um, or as Kate already put it you may find that by doing this opposite action that it then changes your emotional experience if your emotions were something that you would maybe been feeling for a long time and now you're like I'm ready to keep moving forward <laughs> like I have felt sad for three days <laughs> sorry what was that part Kate oh, I said I'm ready to exit this state yeah yep exactly i have been with my emotions i have felt them fully now what opposite action can help you there as well so i don't know what are your thoughts on that with what i'm saying well, I'm so far i'm thinking like i don't know um while you were talking that it ideally just doesn't come from a place of should yes right so it's not i'm not supposed to be feeling these feelings or i shouldn't be feeling these feelings or even i shouldn't be acting this way it's more i want i don't know the goal i think for me when teaching this is that anybody choosing opposite action is super aware of the fact that they are choosing opposite action. Yes. Right? That it be intentional and it's a, a personal choice, right? It's not a I'm having to conform to the expectations of others or those around me or whatever I was taught. It's a I have evaluated this situation and I have decided to act in this fashion because it's going to be the most effective, it's going to be the thing that's the healthiest for me, it's going to be, right? Like that it is, it is in the best possible way self-centered. Yes. Um, and I think that that is a point that can sometimes get lost, right? That we think, oh, I'm doing this for the comfort of other people because other people don't want to see me upset or I'm doing this um, you know, I know I brought up a couple of things where like the law is a thing and well, yes, please don't and get arrested. <laughs> I still want it to be because you don't want to get arrested, right? Like, yep. I want it to be, uh, yeah, a, a, a self-referential choice. And so I think that's, I think that meshes really well, Michelle, with what you were talking about, like kind of being in the driver's seat, right? It's not a, I'm not, a, I am neither at the whim of my emotional responses, nor am I kowtowing to the expectations of those around me. I am, I am in the driver's seat. I am doing the thing that I have determined is best. Yes. Yeah, that's such a good point to really emphasize of not doing it for other people. Um, to really make sure that you're doing it for yourself. Because the other thing that's really important about opposite action is sometimes how we put it in group is it's a time-limited skill. Meaning, this is something you're going to use for potentially like a set amount of time. Like, while you're at work. <laughs> or... While you're in this conversation with someone or whatever it is, this is not meant to be something that you just start doing and never stop, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, because it is really meant to be an intentional choice to use this skill for you to decide what your opposite action is going to be and for it to be something that, again, if you are using this skill for the purpose of, ooh, expressing this emotion right now, is it really something I can do? Like I think about, I used to work at a grocery store as a checker. I couldn't necessarily be standing at my check stand crying 
if I was having a really bad day. Like, I couldn't. So, it, you know, maybe for myself in that scenario, it would be like, all right, how could I use opposite action for the next two hours until my break? <laughs> and then on my break, I could go in my car and I could cry for a little bit, right? We want it to be that the emotion still has the space that it needs to be honored and expressed. But it really is about you making a conscious choice about when and how you do that. Um, so hopefully this is making sense so far. It might make more sense as Kate gets into some examples here about some ways that you can use it. I like the subtle cue. Go, Kate! <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know, the, the DBT workbook has a few uh, examples for some of the emotions that we maybe most commonly want to have an opposite action to. So this is, uh, Michelle, if my understanding is correct, is going to post much longer stuff in the Facebook group. Yes. We're going <laughs> to post a bunch of worksheets for you. Yeah, where it talks about opposite action to so many emotions. But this is just a, a brief little overview of a few of them. Um, and kind of, you know, an, an, a DBT posits that every emotion has an urge. And I think if you, uh, way back in Emotions 101, I don't remember part one or two, whichever one we did, um, we talk a lot about how emotions drive us towards or away from things. And that's kind of what DBT is getting at. Um, is that every every emotion has some sort of urge, and so a good way to decide or see what opposite action would be is to first really identify what the urge is. So um, some examples might be like fear, which also I think of fear is another way of anxiety is a form of fear. Uh, a lot of people may be like, I'm never afraid, but I'm anxious all the time. Uh, so That's fear. Anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> same, same. Uh, so the action urge for fear would be to run away or avoid the thing, and thus the opposite action for that is going to be to move towards the thing. Um, sometimes this might be literal. Michelle talked a lot about her fear of spiders. So I was literally just thinking about it! Yeah! Screaming and running out of the room. Um, or it could be things like, I'm really scared of conflict, so I'm avoiding this conversation about a hard topic. Right? There's going to be physical avoidance or emotional avoidance either way. Um, and so an opposite action would be, I don't know, Michelle, go up and pet the spider. Um, um, for me, it would be, I'm sorry, I'm I'm that person who I don't catch and release the spiders. I just kill the spiders. But my opposite action would be to go and kill the spider. That's what it would be. And, I mean, with these things with anxiety and fear, an important caveat I would say here is that, you know, again, we're using this skill of opposite action when the emotion and or its intensity uh, doesn't fit yeah. the facts. So if there is like something legitimately going on and... Please don't run towards the serial killer. Yes. Please like, please don't do anything <laughs> unsafe. This is about situations where... Don't run where, off the cliff, even because jumping off yeah. the cliff is scary. Right. Make, make smart choices. <laughs> yes. There are some situations in life where the wise mind decision is to definitely avoid that situation because it's unsafe and then there's lots of times like with me and spiders that spider isn't going to hurt me or like i hear my clients talk a lot about um i have many clients who are very afraid of going to the grocery store it really piques their anxiety to think about going to the grocery store um and is the grocery store gonna hurt you no you know right now but yes that's true that's very true COVID aside Right, so with fear, the urge is to run away or avoid, and the opposite action would be to approach um, or not avoid the thing. Um, but again, smart choices. Yes. Uh, and then for anger, the action urge might be something like an attack, 
right? Maybe that's a verbal attack, maybe that's a physical attack, maybe it's towards a person, maybe it's towards an inanimate object or an animal, right? But the idea is this sort of violence of a sort. And so the opposite action would be something like either gently avoiding or being a little bit nice towards the thing. Um, I don't know. Uh, weird example. You Maybe you've been having a fight with a partner, uh, but you know, you're sitting there making yourself tea and you're like, you know what, I'm going to make them a cup of tea too. I didn't have to say anything nice, but I'm just going to bring them a cup of tea because I know they like it. And that little tiny bit of niceness, right, can be a way of pushing back against the anger. Maybe you're done with the fight, but you're having a hard time leaving the anger. So doing this little bit of niceness, right, can help you move off of that anger. Um, sadness, the action urge is to withdraw, to isolate, right, pull away uh, from life, from activities, from friends, from family, from various things. You know, everybody experiences their sadness a little bit differently. Uh, but for the most part, it does have this kind of closing in um, and and separating yourself from the world kind of urge. Uh, and so the opposite action for that is to get active, right? Is to is to do things, interact with people, reach out, right? It's all kind of action oriented. You know, sadness really slows us down and kind of says, "Don't do the things." Uh, so <laughs> a bit of act, opposite action is to do some things um again this is going to be really tailored to your own experience and your sadness but yeah and uh, i think with last but not least oh go ahead oh i was just going to say something about sadness real quick because i feel like yeah. that can be the biggest one where people are like you're telling me i shouldn't feel this way or something like that and in no way do we want to invalidate people's grief or anything like that. Um, because this is not intended to be a situation where it's like, well, suck it up and get back to life. But I think what happens for some people with sadness is this may be one of those scenarios, as we talked about earlier, where if you've really been letting yourself feel your sadness, you've been in it for maybe a couple days, couple weeks, couple months, whatever it may be. Like, you've been in the sadness and now you're like okay, I do really want to get back to work or I do really want to go see my friends when it's not COVID. Um, I really want to do these things, but I just, it feels too hard. I don't know how. Like when you're ready to make that conscious shift out of, I don't want to say out of grief, but like moving through your grief. Like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm ready to, keep going with something but no that feels like a lot of work i don't know how to do it this is where opposite action would come into play when you're ready again on your terms like we emphasized earlier i also kind of think of it as like i don't know opposite action can like we talked about shift your emotion but, but maybe it doesn't it can just ah oh man the right wording like bit. change the flavor yeah right so there's a difference between being sad and being sad and isolated yeah Right? So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to stop being sad. Yeah. It's just maybe let someone in to your sadness, right? Mm -hmm. Reach out. Don't be like, well, I'm sad, so I'm unpalatable. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'm not going to burden my friends or family with this thing, right? So it, it sometimes it can, it can or can be used to shift out of the emotional experience. But sometimes it's just about, well, all right, like I'm having the emotion but maybe the ways i'm acting on the emotion are detrimental mm -hmm. um so it's okay to be sad i still need to eat right <laughs> like, yep. right so it's not it doesn't always even have to be about 
exiting the sadness at all or any of the emotions. It can just be, I'm having the emotion, but I'm looking at the, the action urge and it's unhealthy. Yeah. So it's not good for me. Or maybe it's making it worse. I'm already sad and it turns out I'm sadder when I talk to no one. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, I'm not telling myself I have to stop being sad, but maybe I can do things to stop making it active. Right. That dialectical idea really comes into play here yeah. with opposite action for sure. Um, and yeah, I feel like with the sadness one in particular, because yeah, when you're grieving, grief doesn't have any kind of an end date, <laughs> you know, it shifts, it evolves, but it, it can be with us for a long time. And so it really is about, yeah, you're speaking to it really nicely, Kate, of just, okay, I can be sad. And <laughs> yeah. what else can I do that might serve me and be good for me in that yeah, sadness? While I'm sad. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, um, the one that they list here is shame. Um, and it's so funny how many things have the like the idea of uh, avoidance in it. But right, so hide or avoid, right, is this idea that that shame, right? Shame is is isolating, but in a different fashion. It's not like pulling away or withdraw. It's, it is actually that idea of hiding. Um, and trying to be unseen, and so the the opposite action. Well, uh, they simplify it a little bit because I think there's going to be a big thing. I like where is the shame actually in any way, shape, or form? You know, do the check the facts. A lot of times our shame is completely unwarranted. <laughs> um, but either way, the idea is to in some way let someone in on the thing that you feel shameful about. This obviously requires a lot of caution. Um, you don't want to put yourself in unsafe situations, physically, emotionally, anything like that. Um, but if you have a friend, if you have a family member, if you have a therapist, if you have someone that you trust with your emotional safety, um, an opposite action to shame is to is to share the thing that you're you're ashamed about. Tell yeah. the secret, you know, expose it, bring yeah. light to it. I have another example for shame that I thought yeah. of um, that's a little different than tell the secret. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's going to apply to some situations and not to others. Again, that's how DBT puts it. But I think back to when I was younger, like in elementary school. And even though I was in some ways very athletic because I was a ballet dancer and um, that was my athletic pursuit. But PE class was like my worst nightmare. I felt so ashamed about how bad I was, like at soccer and volleyball and basketball. Like I was, you know, I was that kid who was pretty much the last picked, which I think a lot of people can relate to. So I felt really ashamed for how bad I was at, you know, conventional sports. And right, probably if I had listened to the shame, it would have told me to sit out, which I did sometimes. I just wanted to avoid. I just didn't want to do the thing like it says, but in that situation, the opposite action would have been to try to act confident and put myself out there and play the game. Even if I wasn't going to be necessarily the best one on the field, like to still do the activity or the thing that I was ashamed about. Yeah. Um, so that can be one way that it looks is if there's something that you feel really ashamed about doing, self-conscious about... The opposite action can really be to like practice it, do it more. Um, again, if it's a healthy thing that you can do, um, which yeah, plays in pretty nicely to some of the stuff with fear too, of like approach it, <laughs> don't run away. <laughs> so that's one example too that I thought of. Yeah. 
Awesome. I think that was that for me. So now yes. are we actually going to tell them? Yes. This is, how to do it, Michelle? This is how you do opposite action. This is how you do it. Yeah. And hopefully we're talking about some of those examples with the four emotions that DBT really hones in on of fear, anger, sadness, and shame. Hopefully that gives you some idea of what we're talking about anyways. Um, but there are steps to doing opposite action, just like how there were steps to check the facts. So, and I don't know, maybe at the end of opposite action, the same way we did with check the facts, maybe we'll spontaneously come up with like, here's your shortcut. <laughs> here's how to make it easier than the seven steps DBT talks about. Um, but to start off with, the first step is to identify and name the emotion you want to change. This is typically the first step, I think, of any emotion regulation. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? First, we have to know that in order to know what the emotion is that you're going to be acting opposite to. Because it might make a big difference. Even though there's some crossover with those four emotions that we just discussed. Um, you know, being able to really identify what the emotion is for you is going to be really important, especially because, as you'll see when I post it in the Facebook group, um, there's, I don't even know how many pages it is, there's a number of pages about many more emotions than just the four that we named, and it can give you some guidance on what the opposite actions are for each one if you're having a hard time coming up with opposite action ideas yourself of what to do. So knowing the emotion is first and foremost the most important thing <laughs> with getting this ball rolling with this skill. Pages. How many pages? Nine. Nine! Goodness, that's more than I thought nine, it was. Nine feelings. <laughs> nine feelings for you to act opposite to. So this can be some helpful stuff there to know, again, what the emotion is to guide you. Step two, check the facts. Because like we talked about, if your emotion, its intensity, and the action urge that you want to do fit the facts and it's not going to harm you, another person, property, it's an okay time and setting and all of that, all right, you know, then you don't need to use this skill. But as we mentioned already, but it bears repeating, if you check the facts in your motion or its intensity does not fit the facts, then you want to be using this skill. Um, it's funny because on this DBT handout, <laughs> which is the example we talked about for check the facts, ironically. It says, irritation fits the facts when your car is cut in front of. Road rage does not. <laughs> which is exactly what we talked about to check the facts. Um, funny enough. So, right. Again, that will help you figure out, do I need to do this opposite action skill or do I not? Now, the next step, which again, I feel like this is falling in line so far with some review that we've already done, is to identify and describe your action urges. This can get very hard when we're in the moment because sometimes the time between thinking, feeling, and doing, it's like milliseconds. It just, it just happens, seemingly. But this is why it can be helpful to, up until this point, be hopefully practicing some mindfulness skills that we've discussed, practicing being in your wise mind, because that will give you a little bit of time, hopefully, even if it's just a second or two, to be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> do I want to do this thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this what I want to do? Um, so again, identifying and describing does not have to be this formal 
practice I think describe sounds like a very formal word but it's just noticing you know what am I wanting to do when um, I'm in this situation with this feeling coming up what what do I want to do and then step number four is to ask your wise mind is expression of or acting on this emotion effective in this situation and again hopefully this can be something that if you've already been developing and getting to know your wise mind, your wise mind can hopefully come to you pretty easily with an answer of, yes, this is coming from a wise mind place, you know, go ahead, <laughs> uh, do the thing. Or it will pump the brakes for you a little bit and be like, uh-uh, you know, not that emotional expression or not right now or <laughs> something. It'll tell you to slow down. Um, so that's kind of all really those four steps of identifying and naming the emotion, checking the facts, identifying and describing your action urges, and asking wise mind. That's all the buildup to doing opposite action. And this is why it's so important that we talk about this skill as being a very intentional skill that you are choosing rather than just a way of moving through the world of, you know, again the way it could get misconstrued of just stifling what we feel. Um, nope, because you're going through all these steps of asking yourself, is this the right course of action to choose opposite action? Sometimes it will be, sometimes it won't be. So after you've done all four of those steps, the fifth step is to identify opposite actions to your action urges. This is where... <laughs> I like that sentence. Uh-huh, right. What else can you do? Um, because, again, thinking dialectically, it's all about what are the options available to me? What are the different choices that I can make? There's rarely only one path. So if we take my example with the spider, for instance, I have lots of options available to me. Um, and again, I'm identifying opposite actions only. So some opposite actions are I can kill the spider, like I said. I could try to be nice and good and catch and release the spider. I could, if I wanted to, just choose to leave the spider and maybe watch and see what it does. All of that is better than me completely avoiding <laughs> and running away and not doing anything about the spider. But I have some options there. And I can decide which one fits best for me um, as a random example of identifying different opposite actions. <laughs> Step number six, and this is important, says act opposite all the way to your action urges. So all the way, all the way, because there is this idea of the way I put it is like grin and bear it of like sometimes we try to act opposite but if we're not really feeling it it's not going to come through in the way that we want <laughs> i think of like i don't know the first image that comes to mind is like a sullen teenager that is coming along with you to the thing but making sure you know every single moment of it is grand suffering for them mm -hmm. they'd rather be anywhere else like sure technically they don't want to go and they are technically going so Opposite action? No. <laughs> like, no. Sullenly dragging your feet through a process to suck out. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is very true, right? Um, and again, sometimes the result of opposite action is that doing it happens to 
change our emotional experience. Like if you're acting opposite your anxiety, you may realize as you're acting opposite, oh, I'm not feeling so anxious anymore. Oh, cool. You know, that may happen. Or it may also happen that as you're doing it, your emotion may stay right where it is. Like you may be perhaps really scared the whole time you're acting opposite <laughs> and you're getting through it. But we really want it to be this idea that it's more than just doing the bare minimum, acting opposite. It's more than just doing it because you, you know, might be telling yourself, okay, I have to do this. Um, it really, we really want it to be something that you want to, I guess, try out and going into it with an open mind. Um, if that makes sense. So with the handouts that we're going to be posting, DBT has, as Kate put it, um, and told me, space them out into nine different pages for different emotions. <laughs> and on each page for the emotion, it says the opposite actions, but then it says all the way opposite actions. It clarifies. So if you want to go the extra mile or take the next step, it gives you ideas for how to do this. So like, I'll take anger for example. The opposite actions it lists for anger are gently avoid the person you're angry with, take a time out, and be kind. That's how it breaks it down. All the way opposite actions are imagine understanding and empathy for the other person. Change your posture, it specifically recommends doing that by doing willing hands, and change your body chemistry by doing some breathing or engaging in like some physical activity. Um, those are the all the way opposite actions. So it's not just being kind, it's getting to a place where you have empathy for this person that you're angry with. So it may take some time <laughs> to do all the way opposite actions. Um, it's not easy, it's hard to do. Um, but DBT lists it because otherwise, if we're dragging our feet, doing it because, uh, you know, it, we feel like it's an obligation or what we have to do, we're not going to get as much out of that experience as if we're saying, okay, let me really give this a go. <laughs> Even if it might be a little uncomfortable and not my first choice of what I want to do, let me really give this a go, right? Um, like talking about when I was a kid and, you know, okay, I want to sit on the sidelines, but okay, if I'm going to play the game, let me actually really play the game, not just stand there and hope the ball doesn't come to me, <laughs> like <laughs> that kind of an idea. Um, and then the final step, step seven, it says repeat uh, acting opposite to your action urges until your emotion changes. Kay and I go, <laughs> yeah about that one. Um, because again, sometimes that may be the result. Sometimes that may not be the result. And we think it's important to not go into doing opposite action with the goal being to change your emotions. That does not have to be the goal of this. Because again, sometimes it may happen, sometimes it may not. And we don't want you to think like, oh, well, I failed because I still feel afraid at the end of it. Right? Like, as I'm going with a shoe to kill that spider, am I going to feel afraid? <laughs> yeah, probably. Afterwards, I might feel great. But I may feel really afraid in that moment. And so it's not about having the goal be to change your emotions, but it is about doing it for, I guess you could say, as long as you might need to. Is that what you said, Kate? Yeah, need to. Yeah. yeah. 
yep, again, until your shift at work is done, <laughs> until the soccer game is over, until, you know, you may need to do it for three minutes, you may need to do it for three hours, who knows, but it is about doing it until you are in a position where you can um, express the emotion, maybe in the way that it needs to be expressed in a different setting, or yeah, until your action urges die down. Sorry, what? Yeah, I was going to say, either until the emotion changes or until you're out of the situation and can express it. Yeah, yep, that's what I would say. Yeah, definitely. Anything you want to say about those seven steps, Kate? No, I think you did a really great job talking about them. I do kind of think that oftentimes the first four, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm not always certain of the, the order they put them in. Yeah. I kind of think it almost happens almost simultaneously. That can all happen very quickly. Yeah, um, and so that, I don't know, I guess I would say, like, it, it sounds onerous to say seven steps, but it, I think, especially once you practice it a couple of times, this can be far less complicated than it sounds when we walk it through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, and DBT, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, DBT, it's not that simple, right? Because... With, after you've done those four preliminary steps, it's like, okay, now identify opposite actions. And sometimes that may come very easily or very naturally to know what you need to do to act opposite the emotion and the urge that you're having. Other times that may be a spot where you might feel kind of stuck. So again, I really recommend reading over the nine pages that we're going to be posting because it can give you some ideas and some very general examples. Each situation is going to be unique for what the opposite action is. Um, but it gives you some stuff to get your ideas going of what that can look like for and you. I think it's sometimes easy to go like not do the thing. Like it's easy to identify uh -huh. the act of not doing the urge figuring out the opposite thing could be a little bit harder. Yes, exactly. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, I think that's about it. Um, so for homework, um, again, to make it sound really simple, um, we encourage you to do this sometime this week. Try it out if an opportunity arises for you, especially with anxiety. Opposite action is a skill that we really recommend for anxiety. Um, because again, what does anxiety tell us? Don't leave the house. Don't do the things. Um, well, and acting on our anxiety, like acting congruently with mm -hmm. it often makes us more anxious because basically we're telling our nervous system that it was right. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> oh, you told me to avoid this thing. Okay. I'm going to avoid the thing. Afraid yeah. <laughs> oh, and then you did avoid the thing. So we were right. Yes. And then we're going to be more anxious about it next time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, so if anxiety is something in particular that you struggle with at times, um, yeah, definitely try this out. Um, and we know that this might perhaps be a little bit hard in this world that we're living in with COVID right now. This may be a challenge because, yeah, we're all kind of stuck at home. Um, but there may be a situation, again, with like your partner or your kids or just with yourself, if you're having a day where you're like, oh, I just don't want to get out of bed. Okay, <laughs> you know, how can how can I act opposite of this and do what's effective and what my wise mind is telling me to do? Okay, how can I do that? So give this a try. 
and email us uh, dbtmepodcast at gmail.com if you have questions or life scenarios for a future Q&A episode so. alright with that let's All get right. to closing moment okay everybody so as always if you're able to do so I invite you to settle into a comfortable position wherever you are not sitting or laying down or walking whatever feels comfortable and relaxed and sustainable for you and again if it's safe and you're comfortable doing so I invite you to close your eyes begin with as always we're going to start by noticing our breath you don't have to breathe any more deeply or any more slowly than you do naturally it's just about allowing breath to welcome you into the moment letting it welcome you into your body just about tuning in noticing the sensations and relaxing a little bit now i'd like you to bring to mind something about which you are a little bit too moderately afraid something that causes you a little too moderate amount of anxiety this can be a situation from your past something that's ongoing something you know you're going to face in the future or just something you face regularly in day to day whatever it is I invite you to bring that situation or that object into your mind. Allow yourself to embody that fear or anxiety for the moment. Notice it in your body. What are the sensations? How does that fear or anxiety show up for you physically? And also what thoughts? or tangential emotions might be related to it. Whatever it may be, just give yourself a moment to bring that situation to mind and also really notice all the various ways that it impacts you while you're thinking about it. Now, as Michelle and I discussed, the urge for fear is to move away to avoid that which is frightening us. So instead, in the safety and comfort of your mind, wherever you are right now, I'd like you to imagine approaching the thing that you are afraid of. It might be a literal physical approach, if it's an object or a situation about which you are feeling this fear. Or it might be something where you prepare to have a conversation or engage in an activity. Whatever it is, take a moment and really picture yourself, really walk yourself through the steps of moving towards this thing about which you are afraid or anxious. What do you notice in your body as you imagine this? 
Can you imagine it playing out positively? Allow yourself to move through this thought process, through this simulation in your mind, and allow it to go well. Allow it to unfold in a way where your worst fear doesn't come true about this situation, when your behavior is well received. And again, notice how that feels. What is that process like? Both what do you feel as you prepare and as you approach? How do you feel as you move through this opposite action to your fear or anxiety? And how does it feel when you're on the other side? How does it feel after? have taken your action and the resolution has come to pass. Allow yourself to have that experience for a moment here. Obviously we can't guarantee in real life how things will go, how other people may react. But if you can, when you try and actually enact opposite action in real life, Give yourself a chance to remember how this felt. Allow yourself to recall the whole process, where you noticed it in your body, and what resolution happened when you were finished. How did you feel after? Allow that to be a guide to you, or a reassurance that you can do this. You can approach the object of your fear, and it can go well. It can be positive resolution. When you feel like you've given enough space and enough time to work your way through that imagined scenario, I invite you to come back into your breath again. You might take a couple of slow and deep, purposeful breaths. Really follow the sensation of your breath back into your lungs and into your body, allowing both the fear and the resolution to it to fade. Come back into the present moment, come back into the room. You might do that by rolling your wrists, your ankles, your neck, your head, whatever feels good to you. Whenever you're ready, open your eyes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. See you next week. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.